0: Welcome to Inside the 18, live in Omar Zini's guest room. I'm Michael Magid in Omar Zini's guest room with Omar Zini. Good morning, good morning. And live via Zoom, as always, is Trevor Styles. What's up, dude?
1: You know what? The more we do this, the more I feel like it's Wayne's world. Like we're in his basement, <laughs> always as with you as Garth, as Omar. Uh, I love it. I'm good, man. I'm on my second cup of coffee. I'm feeling pumped. I got my championship right up. Uh, my kids in the room with me right now, making elephant noises, watching Peppa Pig. Uh, yeah, yeah, things are good, man.
0: I love the fact that you're always bringing up Wayne's world. Cause I feel like the, you're like putting together some spec script for like a Wayne's world three or something. Oh, like that. Can
1: you imagine? So, so for those who don't know, cause they're way too young, Wayne's world was like a pinnacle of my childhood. Like, I, I mean, it, for those who haven't watched it, it's a, it's a cult classic, Go see it. I know if you're like twelve, you're like, what is this old guy talking about? <laughs> uh go go watch it and then let me know if it holds up. Be like, you know, be like
0: golden era of Saturday Night Live, late 80s, early nineties, right there.
1: So just so good. All right, but then anyway, that's my Waynes World spiel for today. Uh <laughs> what's going on? How are we feeling? Are we pumped? Are we excited? We got lots of big news.
0: We got a lot of big news. So first off, uh before we get started, I want everybody to go. Uh as you know, we do have the hotline. So uh guys, it's three three, two, three three hundred four one one seven um i get a lot of people who dm me i know omar gets a lot of people that dm him uh nobody dms trevor because they don't know who he is um because he hides behind the mask of a of a goalkeeping glove um but uh instead of reaching out
1: mike i'm not a spotlight person i just want to sit back and do my thing you know what i'm saying
0: Instead of reaching out individually, we always felt that it was going to be better if we could share some of this information with everybody else in the world. So, guys, if you have a question that you want us to answer on the air, 323-300-4117, we can get that great knowledge out there to the entire world. If we play yours on the air, we're going to get you some free swag. So uh, reach out. Also, we've got the email if you feel more comfortable, and that's the 18 at gmail.com. Again, same exact spiel. If we can play it, well, we won't play it. We'll read it, I guess. I guess we. I guess we'll read it.
2: They leave a message, right? That's how it works. Yeah,
0: they leave a message. Also, guys, iTunes challenge, okay? iTunes challenge, re reviews, okay? We're at 19 reviews right now. We want to get to 100 by the end of the month, and then by that I mean 500. We want 500 by the end of the month. That's exactly it. That's exactly what we want is uh, 500 by the end of the month. No, we want 100 by the end of February, guys. It's very doable. All you got to do, go on there. Take your friend's phone, okay? I know when you guys are at training with your, with your friends and the field players are going to get water or whatever and you're hanging around, you say, hey, man, do you mind if I grab your phone real quick because I'm just sitting here waiting for you guys to start shooting on us uh, and then just slip in there, right, and just go subscribe. <laughs> and then put five stars, and then write that review. And then we're going to be like, wow, we get all these field players that even write reviews for us. It's incredible. It's amazing, guys. Uh, So keep it going. Um, So there's a few other things. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold on, hold on. Let's just do this. Yeah. If we can get to 500 reviews by the end of February, which is a short month, so it's a little tougher. So February 28th, Aviata Sports will give you a $250 gift certificate to one lucky winner that Michael will
0: pick. Really? Wow, that is quite a generous... Let's get to $500. i will give
1: you $250 to (laughs) agidasports.com if we can get to 500 reviews. So steal your friends' phones, write reviews, make it happen.
0: Wow. I I mean, I was going to hit up uh, Elvis Romero. Shout out to Elvis Romero, by the way, from On the Volley Apparel. I'm wearing his gear right now. He gave us a bunch of free swag over in Chicago. I know Omar's got some of the gear. I know Trevor doesn't because he wasn't there, but I'm sure he'll get some (laughs) at FootyCon. Uh, when OTVA will be uh, present and uh, shout out to Edgewater Castle FC, like we were talking about earlier last week. That is the team. Uh, that's the uh, UPSL team whose uh, goal is to uh, help out refugees uh, to find uh, professional opportunities for themselves here in the United States. So Andrew's doing some awesome work with them. Um, also, guys, uh, really big announcement. And this is really, really cool uh we are going to be traveling again right omar
2: we are not me
0: because my wife is pregnant That's right, guys. Uh, we're going to be heading to the Mobile Mini Cup uh, at the end of February, February 20th to the 23rd. We're going to be in Tucson. Uh, there's going to be tons of MLS teams there for preseason, a bunch of USL teams. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be hanging out with coaches, with players. We might even do some goalkeeping sessions for some kids, won't we?
2: That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think that's one of our main goals is to kind of reach out a little bit more, for me at least, and I'm sure for you, just to branch out past California. It's kind of tough where you know, we get a lot of DMs and people want us to to. Kind come to the area and train. So that's a good opportunity for us. So if you're from Tucson, you're listening from Tucson, uh, just hit us up in the DM and then we'll we'll try and set up a session. Yeah,
0: and especially out to the kids out in Phoenix area too. I know Phoenix Scottsdale, Glendale's not that far away. You guys can head out there too. I know a lot of you guys are going to be traveling out there to check out the games anyway. Uh, shout out to uh, Keepers Care for Kids, Dylan Mapson, AJ Mapson. Uh, huge, huge thanks. They're, they're the ones that helped set this up. Phoenix Rising, FC Tucson, all you guys are doing a great job. I think we're going to try to hook up with Ollie Richardson, uh, who we're going to be having an interview with uh, in in a couple episodes uh, over at Phoenix Rising. So uh, we're really stoked about this. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we want to keep doing, guys. So... uh if you want to see us keep doing content like this and keep maybe going to France possibly for the women's world cup or other opportunities, uh, we're going to be setting up a Patreon soon guys. And, uh, we're going to be making this, uh, a goalkeepers union type situation where we all can help each other out and, uh, we can give back to you guys. You guys can give back to us to help us out. And yeah, Benfica, man. I mean, we got some hookups over in Portugal, so, uh, let's have it going. And, uh, that'll be up very shortly guys. You'll get that announcement pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all that news for there. Uh, so speaking of people who need to get, keep it going, uh, I got a little word from our sponsor before we get going. And uh, that is some of you kids out there are looking to play at the college level. And one of the problems with uh, trying to play at the college level that I find is a lot of people have god-awful tape, don't they? They have some pretty, pretty bad tape. And the reason is, is because... Let's be honest, most people out there don't really know goalkeeping. Even people who are trying to do editing videos for you, they might know soccer, they might know basketball, but they don't know goalkeeping. Uh, Hang
1: that, Kong,
0: That's where Double Take Recruit comes in, because uh, Connor over at Double Take Recruit uh, is actually a former goalkeeper he played at USD he played in the San Jose earthquake system he's legit guys he knows what he's doing he's done some great job with the tapes uh, he even has <laughs> special technology that makes it emanate so that you look like a like a phantom of some sort some sort of demon uh, where the where everyone can find you on the field you're not just a little little dot in in the goal we can see the ball trailing around it's really cool and awesome. A lot of you guys, you guys say, hey, that's really expensive. That sounds really crazy expensive. I've seen those videos, things it's like cost like a grand to like three grand. Not with Connor, okay? They're like 200 to 300 bucks, and he does an amazing job. And we also have a promo code for a discount if you're an Inside the 18 listener. So if you put in Inside 18 when you go to www.doubletakerecruit.com, and, uh, and you're going to get that little discount, guys, so uh, make sure that you let them know that uh, Inside the 18th sent you. And uh, now we're going to get on to the show. So uh, first off today, guys, uh, we're going to talk about uh, performance. And what well, we're talking about performance is from the mental side. Today we've got a really awesome episode where we actually interviewed Dan Abrahams uh, over – he's the resident over at FC Bournemouth in the English Premier League. But he's also worked with tons of – of goalkeepers in the English Premier League a lot of high-level goalkeepers he can't divulge names obviously because you know patient doctor confidentiality but uh one of the best interviews we've ever had right Omar
2: it was really good yeah I listened to it last night and uh for me as well he just gave me a lot of good pointers not even just for goalkeeping but in life to you know subtle reminders to kind of trick your brain into confidence and things like that so I'm super excited to have you guys hear it yeah
0: so uh let's just get at it I too.
1: It. Uh, it was wonderful I was so happy I was there
2: you'll listen to it soon
0: so let's uh let's take a listen to that uh this is dan abrahams uh from fc bournemouth welcome back to inside the 18s marathon live at u.s soccer coaches convention we've been here for quite a while we've been getting some incredible interviews uh the mls draft just finished up we just had some more interviews uh we just had a michael curry on who uh, is a, a head one of the main members of the foundation here for United Soccer coaches, former goalkeeper and we were talking about the leadership position and that was a really fascinating interview. And uh, we thought, well, how better to follow up such a great conversation about the mental aspect of the game than with somebody that actually knows about the mental aspect of the game. Ah, I love how we just did it. He's like, ah, a little bit right little there. Bit. It is on camera, Dan, so that's OK. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have Dan Abrahams here, uh, sports psychologist, sports performance coach. Uh, he works with uh, AFC Bournemouth, uh, along with a lot of other Premier League clubs. Uh, he works with a lot of uh, professional soccer players and other athletes around the world. Uh, he just gave a fantastic uh, lecture here. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the, the piece that you gave over here.
3: Well, I've done a couple actually. I did one yesterday, one today. So today was about Oh, I'm trying to remember. I'm so exhausted. Uh, basically, today was about redefining competitiveness. It was a, it was a little bit different. I thought I'd be bold. I'd be brave and 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 come at the coaches with uh, the way that I when I sit down with Premier League players, I work with them because, um, as I say, this is very very different. But I want uh, players to and coaches to redefine how they perceive competition and competitiveness we're too often using words like winning and, and, and a winning mindset and win at all costs and and and, and, and we kind of feel we, that we have to, we must win, we must perform, but actually that's kind of a misunderstanding of the performance landscape when I work with players I want them to put mindset first, because you know what soccer is, is, is complicated it's difficult, it's challenging I read a statistic whereby you've kind of got about 3 billion different options at any given time on a soccer pitch, so Soccer is challenging. It's tough. And then people are complex, right? Complicated complex. People are complex. They work biologically, psychologically, socially. So it's enormously difficult when players say, well, Dan, I just want to perform. I want to be man of the match, or I want to be woman of the match, or I want to score. I want to keep a clean sheet. You know what? I want to redefine that. And for me, when I work with players, what's non-negotiable is we put mindset first. You are going to have the best mindset on the pitch. We're going to work out what your best mindset is. And I'm going to hold you accountable for having that best mindset. I bully them into that. I love the way you did that. You're like, you know what?
0: I don't care whether you believe in yourself or not. I'm going to make you believe in yourself. And I, I love the way you just did that because right there, the way you you were so just passionate about it, I feel like that is what it takes to be a good performance coach it's like because you have to make people feel like you really believe in themselves too, right?
3: Well, look, I, I do think you've got you've to love what you do and, you, and, and you've got to deliver, I suppose, with passion, but certainly with conviction because otherwise – Otherwise, people aren't going to believe you. I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody. We are talking about managers. And uh, more and more, I think uh, charisma within within managers and head coaches is becoming a big thing. You know, I think uh, I've watched, say, Jurgen Klopp in action when I was at Derby County, and Liverpool played Derby County a couple of years ago in the third round of the Carabao Cup. And boy, that guy has got this big persona. He's about seven foot five as well, which kind of helps. But he's just got this massive personality. And uh, he kind of looms there in a sense circle derby county were warming up and he was standing there he was looming and just looking staring at the players watching him warming up and the players were like what's he looking at what's he looking at is he trying to out psych us you know so I, I do think there is an element of um of yes there's got you've got to be authentic but you've got to have charisma or it, it's really advantageous i should say to have charisma and i suppose in my in my profession you know look you've got to have the tools, you've got to have the techniques, you've got to know your theories and your methodologies and your formulas and all that jazz. You know, that's very important. That probably comes before the high-fiving, but uh, for relationships, for closeness of a relationship, you know, you've got to have a little bit of personality there. And
0: you're talking about personality and one of the positions on the field that tends to have a lot of personality, especially in today's game, uh, they have a lot of flair. I mean, you're talking about an Ederson with the with the neck tattoo. I, I never would have attempted to do that. I, I still think it would look bad no, on me today. I could see you
3: putting. You could see that me off. with the neck tattoo. I could see you putting that up. I can see. Oh, I
0: can see Madden with the neck tattoo. That that could definitely happen. Yeah. Uh, Madden McDonald, who's off camera, she's running the camera right now, so you guys can't see her on the camera, but definitely she could pull off the I neck tattoo. That. I can see that. Um, but how did you begin working with footballers
3: and goalkeepers specifically when you're talking about big personalities? Yes. Well, look, I'll take, I'll briefly take you way back when I I was a professional golfer. I was a very bad professional golfer. I didn't win any money, and uh, one of the reasons why I didn't win any money was because of what was going on between my ears. Basically, um, I was a right player, but I just I would stand on the first tee and I would see the the water and the trees and the rough and the bunker etc. And uh, and so I, I as I coached golf, I I fell in love more with the psychology of sport and i decided to go back and do some qualifications as i was coaching and i started working in 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 soccer and football back in england about 15 years ago and um, i started at non-league to learn the language of the game and learn the specific challenges that players face and you know i work with uh, players uh, across the pitch but certainly over the last 15 years i've worked with a lot of a lot of goalkeepers you know what's really really funny they always, whenever I've gone into a club and I've delivered, whether it's a presentation or something, it's always the goalkeepers who orientate towards you straight away. They're always the first one. All the others kind of sheepishly shuttle off into the, away, from, away from you and like, I don't really want to work with him. <laughs> no, not really. They're, 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 I think they kind of like my stuff. But definitely the goalkeepers are more cerebral. They're the thinkers. They're the ones who go, yeah, you know, it's so much more of an individual sport for me. It really is, and I can have a long, lot of time to think. And so this person here, this crazy mad psych, he's the one who's who, who could actually unlock some kind of secret to help me do a little bit better. So absolutely, and, and so over the last 15 minutes, I've worked with quite a lot of, goal, uh, lot of golfers, but also a lot of goalkeepers.
2: Uh, Dan, so when you have the goalkeepers, what, what are the main things that they usually ask you? Um, I mean, we all understand the, the troubles that come with the goalkeeping position. Not the troubles, that kind of like a prerequisite's understanding the just the psychology of the game It's more than just being a physical specimen you have to be very very strong and mentally strong as well uh, I actually just watched a uh, a uh, what's it called a, a little documentary about uh, Jens Lehmann and Jens Lehmann is just uh, in terms of being a physical specimen he was great but just psychologically he thought he was the man and he went out every every single weekend for Arsenal especially for Germany as well and just kind of ex- you know had that aura af- about himself that charisma yeah. and his, the player is kind of bounced off that and understood like wow okay if we have someone back there who's solid mentally and physically it's gonna make it easier for us. So what are some of the questions and, and things that you get from keepers?
3: It's an array of things. I mean, I think that aura is really, is really important. We'll come on probably to talk about uh, my technique of game face, which is, I think, really, imp- really important. There are clearly some people maybe like a Jens Lehmann who perhaps had a, a biological predisposition to be able to have that aura, but the vast majority of people don't. But that doesn't mean they don't have ability. You know, they yeah. might have a lot of go- you know great hands, they might have great footwork, they might be a great goalkeeper. However, they don't necessarily have that aura. It's also other little things like how do I stay switched on or how do I, if the ball is up the other end of the pitch, I might be able to relax, but then I've got to be able to switch back on. Exactly. So the capacity to do that. But also what I find with goalkeepers is just dealing with the pressure moments, leadership as massive as you've alluded to there. So commanding and demanding at the back line, but also you know, staying switched on. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Just dealing with the pressure moments, those, those, those real tough moments. So say there's... Um, there's, I don't know, a free kick in a in an attacking area against, or it's gone for a corner, and what you find is that. You know, I I have this little uh, uh, expression I use, ANTS, ANTS being an acronym, A-N-T-S, for automatic negative thoughts. And I've certainly worked with a lot of goalkeepers over the years who have said, yeah, when it's gone for a corner, I tend to have a lot of ANTS, you know, automatic negative thoughts. And that makes a difference to how how dominant I am on crosses, you know, how well I organize, you know, my back line. I don't know what you guys think, because you guys know... We'll probably have forgotten more about goalkeeping than, than, than I'll ever know, but you know what?
0: Hold on. For those of you guys who are only listening right now, Dan is being very humble. Uh, he's got <laughs> this frame that is perfect for goalkeeping right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. You see, look how stro- uh, yeah, upright I- and tall he, he stood right there,
3: you know? Um, but I'm not five for nine. nine. The balls would just go... <laughs> no chance. i no no chance. But... But... but um, You know, look, I think there's an array of challenges there. I really, really do. And and I think that um, it's uh, the overarching thing, and I I know most of your listeners will know this and appreciate this, is ultimately it's you're that last line of defence. And that's why there's an enormous amount of pressure on goalkeepers. And that's why they do certainly orientate towards somebody like myself. You
0: know. and, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on, because, you know, obviously understanding the role that the mental part of the game, you know, takes is is phenomenal, and, and obviously your your skill set and, and your knowledge of that, but a lot of people out there may not have the resources to have a Dan Abrahams at their club. If you're a youth coach, for instance, and you're working with ten-year-olds, you, your club's probably not apt to hire a sports psychologist to work with the uh, okay. you know with the U-10 team. Damn. So how can <laughs> Dan's like, well, wait a second. I just had all these business cards here. I was yeah. going to hand them out to all these coaches I thought here. I was going to get some more business, yeah. but you just <laughs> killed me there. No, 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 I'm no, 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 no. Ki- um, let's just say you're busy. You're busy. You can't <laughs> okay, do it. You're already fun. running. You're already working with another U10 group, and, and you can't get over there. So how can coaches utilize sports psychology on their own to improve their goalkeepers? What are, like, three tips you would give coaches out there?
3: Well, you know what? It's a great question. And, and for the last 15 years, I've made it my business to try to demystify psychology for coaches. Because, you know, this word psychology, it comes with a burden, uh, a, d- a definitional burden. You know, it's like, I, I, I've got a problem, you know, go and see a psychologist. And it's just not, li- not like that at all. You know, it's, it's trying to maximize performance, you know, trying to optimize performance. And I've made it my business to try to really demystify it. So I'm passionate about, creating very simple tools and techniques for coaches to use because I think coaches can be a much more effective um, or use psychology much more effectively than I can because it's more believable and you can amalgamate it into your activities, into your sessions. So let, let me tell you this, I'm passionate about going back to jens Lehmann and the aura, i'm passionate about goalkeepers having something i call a game face something i call a game face i'll give you an example of a game face of a goalkeeper who plays in the i won't give us away too much he's in the top two divisions in england uh, at the moment very good goalkeeper and he his game face is b c neuer B, C, Neuer. The B stands for brave, the C stands for confident, and Neuer stands for Neuer, right? Yeah, yeah, so brave, confident, Neuer. Now the way we come up with that is like this. You're not talking about
0: Manuel Neuer, I'm assuming. So. Oh, you were talking about in England, that's right, okay.
3: No, I'm not talking about okay, Manuel okay, Neuer. Okay, okay, okay. I'd like to work with Manuel Neuer, so if you're listening then please just give me a shout, okay? But his game face probably won't be himself. I I would love
0: it if Burn Leno's game face was Brave, Confident, Neuer. That would be fantastic. (laughs) Okay,
3: okay. (laughs) Well, let me tell you. Well, we'll figure out if that's the right one for him because um, I... Let me tell you how we get there, right? So, you know, especially if you're dealing with a goalkeeper who is saying, yeah, I experienced these ants, these automatic negative thoughts, I've got to be able to squash my ants better, you know, I just want to have that aura, be more confident, and it's like, right, okay, we've got to get to a position where you're developing that, you're creating that yourself, you're taking ownership of that. So the way we start like this is, okay, I want you to tell me about you at your best. Think of your best game, okay? So we're tapping into memory there. That's a massive tool in my toolbox as a psychologist, memory. So. I get that player to talk to me about their best, right? I also ask them about uh, their dream game. So that's tapping into imagination. Memory, imagination, big tools, right? And um, what I'm trying to do, get them to talk to me about their dream game, their best game, and I'm trying to get them to break it down into keywords, action-based words. So alert, alive, lively, athletic, dominant, bold, Things that they can act out on the pitch. I think, you know where I'm going to come from here. Things that they can act out on the pitch. So this player said, well, I'm brave. When, it, when the ball's been crossing, I'm brave to come for catches. You know, I'm standing there, I'm being brave and going. He's, you know, embodying, embodying bravery, OK? Uh, confident. He said, I'm confident. I'm holding myself confident, you know? And the great thing is, it's like you're, he, they're saying this, and I'm getting them to come up with action-based words. Can you see that? Can you feel that? Can you imagine that? Brave, confident. OK, Who's a goalkeeper out there who may be your model, may be your hero, who is that? Who is brave and confident? Well, this player said, well, it's Manuel Neuer. Of course, you know, the sweeper keeper, right? So, okay, brave, confident Neuer. Now, here's the thing, here's the thing. So goalkeepers go into a game and they're like obsessed. I've got to have this great performance. I've got to keep a clean sheet. You know, I want to win. Can we control winning? Can we actually control keeping a clean sheet? Can we really? No, we can't. You know, if somebody has a worldy strike, right, as we say in England, and scores, you know, look, sometimes you just can't save shots, right? So that's not a great objective. What is a great objective is this. You're going to be BC Neuer. You're going to be brave, confident Neuer. Nothing and no one takes you away from brave, confident Neuer. Nothing and no one. You're going to you're going to say it, you're going to be it, you're going to do it, you're going to act it. You're going to warm up brave, confident and that say it be it do it act it that brings us on to the second technique see how i neatly fluidly (laughs) went into that right so that brings us on to the second technique is what i call controllers okay and this is a neat little way i try to help players understand self-regulation on the pitch right which is every player in england loves to play an xbox or playstation they love to play fifa right and i thought well what does what do you what do you use you use a controller i use a controller goalkeepers have two controllers when they walk onto the pitch self-talk and body language say it that's self-talk be it do it act it that's body language say it be it do it act it i'm going to say be do act bc neuer and i'm going to hold myself accountable to saying being doing and acting especially being doing and acting bc neuer ball goes out for a corner kick I'm into my BC Neuer game face. That's really, really important. And that third technique comes back to the ants. When I experience the ants, squash the ants, how use my controllers to come back to BC Neuer. I've given all my secrets away, <laughs> I can't believe it. For no, free.
2: I think one of the, the two things that I'm taking away from that is obviously when you have an issue, try and reverse, an issue or a goal, it's reverse engineering. It's trying to figure out the stem and the root of, of what that goal is. For example, for me, I want to be one of the most you know whatever respected goalkeeper coaches in the world so what what is that what does that entail okay creative philosophy okay lesson plan you know connections networking so I'm like going starting from there then now I'm checking all these boxes going forward. so it sounds like that's one thing for them another one I think is really popular right now or not popular from what you're saying is accountability I feel like what having a sports psychologist, I had one in college and I felt like I had somebody who I was accountable to and they would come to my games and I would you know that we talk about it and then I would see them in the stands and then in that, that I wouldn't say I relied on it, but I would look at them and i go, wow, okay, that, that gave me that, that boldness again, that force. So I think for you, it's, it's remarkable what you guys are doing for, for athletes, because a lot of these people who don't have the confidence, they they become like a shell of themselves, and a lot of players don't ever reach their full potential because of that, and it's a shame. So what you guys do is remarkable, and it, it's insane to, to see that. And I'm a beneficiary of somebody working with me, and me kind of realizing, it's just a game you know what I mean it's not really what, what am I really what am I really complaining about so that's that's pretty cool
3: that's a nice rationalization at the end you know it's just a game and it was interesting you were talking about you know that kind of reverse engineering I separate the what and the how you know what do I want to be Well, I want to be the best goalkeeping coach in the world how am I going to do that and then it's uh, I obsess is a strong word probably the wrong word but it is about focusing on the how focus on the how so a prime example of that might be uh, I mean I had heard and I, 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 I've I met the guy once years ago he wouldn't remember Eric Steele at Manchester United United, how when uh, De Gea uh, arrived, he um, Eric still I think went about learning Spanish. You know, so uh, uh, that might not be a big thing to a lot of people, but in England, that's a massive thing. because we do not speak second languages, right? <laughs> Right, so, so he learned Spanish, and, and look, fair play. That, that was something that was a sort of a marginal gain that was going to help him be the best that he can be. And that's what I've talked about a lot the last couple of days in my presentations, and that's the idea behind those techniques is, what do we want? Well, we want great performances, but we get very socialized into being stuck on, I've got to perform, I've got to perform, got to perform. And my job is to go, okay, look, stop, whoa, like your rationalization, then, look, Come on, we can't force a great performance. We can't guarantee it. But what we can do is focus on the how, the how we're gonna perform. Let's focus on the things that we can control. I can choose to be BC Neuer no matter what. Goal goes in against, I'm going to be B.C. Neuer. I make a slight mistake, drop drop a catch, B.C. Neuer. You know, I can choose how I respond, but I've still got to have the strategies to be able to make that choice. That's what winds me up, is when people say, oh, it's a choice. Well, it is, but it's only a real choice when you know uh, how to make that choice. You
0: brought up a really good point in regards to choices, and one of the things that happens with goalkeepers a lot of times, only one can play on the field. And When a goalkeeper loses their spot, a lot of times they lose their confidence. So, how have you worked with clubs to build a keeper who's lost their starting jab back up so that they don't lose
3: that edge? They don't lose that BC Neuer, you know? Look, I think a lot of that happens in your activities, in your training sessions as a goalkeeper. It is, there can be some very basic stuff from uh, whether it's reminding players of strengths. You know, I think that's really, really important to keep that language quite positive around, you know, okay, you've gone back to the bench, right, but these are the things we're seeing at the moment that are really, really strong. I do think in that situation, it's having that flexibility to go, these are strong. Now, here's the things that we can do to help you get back in the team. We can't guarantee that you're going to, but these are the things that we'd like to see and also empowering players to come up with their own solutions. What do you feel that you have to do? How do you feel is the best way to go about doing that? So I think that's really, it can't just be positive, positive, positive. There's got to be some practical stuff moving forward. And then I think there's, I always say coaches have two dials. They have a stretch dial and they have a support dial. And I think that in those instances, you know, you do have to turn up the volume of support. But I think sometimes because we've dropped a player to the bench, I think we can turn up the volume of support, but actually that can be a misunderstanding of the situation. That might be a time to turn up the volume of stretch. Now, when I say stretch, what I'm not saying is, oh, shout at the player. What I am saying is maybe play about with your activities. Make them tougher, make them more challenging, you know, because in that way, you're you're stretching the player you're helping that player identify what they've got to get better at and i think it kind of says i care about you it's a it's a closeness of relationships you know i interviewed a couple of weeks ago one of the world's leading experts a woman called professor sophia jarrett who's based at loughborough university in the uk she's one of the world's leading experts in uh, athlete um excuse me athlete coach relationships and the number one thing is closeness, closeness of relationship. And I think you show you care by helping that player break down their game, showing them what they've got to do to get better, empowering them to come up with their own solutions, solutions, if I can say that word, and then, and then stretching them, stretching them in the training session.
2: I think, um, for personally for me, I've always struggled with like anxiety playing, and, and I realized from a young age, just the term rationalization to me, and I, I say rationalization and perspective are the two uh, important ones for me. So perspective, obviously not taking yourself too seriously, understanding like the perspective of where you are and the situations. And then rationalization is to me, is like, you know, those voices in your head. So for me, I used to always get upset about certain, li- you know, little things. I make a mistake and I You're would- You're hearing uh, voices? No, not in a- Well, I need a, to get my <laughs> psychology
3: shades long <laughs> out of here. Wow.
2: But I would But I would start, I started realizing like, don't fight those voices, start rationalizing with it. So instead of being upset about it, understand, okay, yeah, I understand why those voices are there or why, why you? why i feel a certain way okay got it now we'll meet halfway let's figure out a solution now and uh one of the speakers that i, I heard uh not here but it's like a guy I listen to on, on podcast he talked about at the end of eight mile and uh you ever, ever seen that movie uh eminem.
3: years ago yes
2: okay so at the end of the movie eminem goes up in this rap battle against a guy and essentially he goes up there and makes fun of himself and the guy has nothing to say to him he took all his ammo away and so when i listen to this stuff it's like when i start rationalizing things i go Take the ammo away from the, the negative thoughts. And once you take the ammo away, you have nothing left. There's no, no, What else do you have that's going to bring you down? And from there, all you can do now is reverse engineer and build, build, build. so So
3: So no that's brilliant and there's a couple of things I'd like to say there I I think it's it's really really important I love the way you're you're, you're very honest about your experiences and I think what's so important moving forward in in, in soccer and soccer culture is the importance of um, accepting vulnerability you know we all have a biological predisposition to having negative thoughts it's evolutionary how we work you know if we didn't have negative thoughts we would just do random things like jump in front of a bus so it's how we function as human beings so vulnerability acceptance of vulnerability is very important in any coaching culture. And if you've got that silo of a goalkeeping coach and, and the goalkeepers, just make sure if, 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 if your club isn't necessarily up with that, just make sure that you with your goalkeepers create that siloed culture. of We're going to accept vulnerability here. One last thing I want to say about that is that, you know, uh, I, that anxiety again I would simplify it in terms of it's its ants automatic negative thoughts you started to do a really good job of squashing ants and I always say to players look your when I talk to them about self-talk I I, I I help them understand it like this your thoughts happen to you you do your self-talk you, your thoughts happen to you they they're automatic they pop into your head you do your self-talk so you can talk back to your thoughts and one of the things i put on twitter all the time uh, is is stop athletes stop listening to yourselves start talking to yourselves do you like that no exactly what I, that's exactly <laughs> essentially what i was saying but you that was
0: my favorite thing is like right now is you just did that and like omar's like exactly it's like oh wait i don't have the microphone what do i do what do i mm-hmm. do uh grab it from mike here you go
2: no exactly that's uh to, to phrase it in the way you say it, it's, it's it's perfect i like yeah. the way you articulate it too as a lot of kids again it's can go back and forth on this, but essentially you just summed it up really well. A lot of kids. I'll don't know how the to check to at the end of the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A lot of kids don't know how to accept vulnerability. Um, yeah. It is unfortunately. The, the bravado but that's them, a yeah. cultural
3: problem, and is it? No, exactly. it's a socket. it's a sports problem. Yeah. Because we're in we're so socialized in sport into thinking we have to have the musts and the authorizing and we must win, and it would be catastrophic if we don't, you know. And it's like uh, what coaches haven't become very good at and we need to continue to, to chip away at is this notion of rationalizing it and actually helping them understand that what motivation is. Motivation is enjoyment and interest and meaning. Motivation is multi-dimensional, it's not just high or low and that high isn't just related to this controlled coaching of we've got to win you've got to win you've got to perform no not true at all okay let's have autonomy uh supportive coaching okay let's help let let's take into account the perspective of a player and the thoughts and the feelings of the player that's far more powerful
2: Yeah, and I think uh, you're doing a great job. Hopefully more people adapt and uh, adapt your your style of thinking because I think that'll take a lot of players a lot further than they, they currently go. I'm trying hard.
0: Now, one thing I want to ask you is what advice would you give to young keepers to develop their mental skills in the game? Because I know you, I'm sure you work with a lot of different exercises that you give your goalkeepers to do outside of just their sessions with you. So are there like any specific tips that
3: you would give other than purchasing my book on amazon.co.uk? No,
0: that's great though. I love
3: that. If you could actually tell our, our listeners a little bit about that book, because I think they'd probably really well, enjoy you read, it. I've written three soccer books um, because I'm quite a sad man and I'm obsessed by what I do. But I, I, I back in 2012, I wrote a book called soccer tough, which was, as I said, full circle back to, I wanted to demystify. I just felt there wasn't enough information that was delivered in the language of soccer, uh, and that was, uh, that was, uh, that was particularly and practical, and I did it in story form. And actually, chapter one is about a goalkeeper. How about that? I even open it with, an, with uh, about a goalkeeper, and it was a goalkeeper called Elvis that I worked with, and I talked about the key words that, and the game face that um, I talked about earlier. Um, So that's very pertinent there. And then I wrote uh, a book for coaches called um, Soccer Brain. And then I wrote a a, a follow-up to Soccer Tough, um, cleverly called Soccer Tough 2, um, the sequel and uh, so yeah I've written a few books so they're available if, if, if you're interested I mean I'm half joking but honestly I think I would always say to young goalkeepers I just think curiosity is one of the most important personality, ca- personality characteristics that you can try to develop you know in young players I mean I think as coaches we can be guilty of going right tech tactical stuff what are we going to do here but it's like actually obviously we're talking about the psych social piece and I actually can be quite guilty of going right technique to do with mental skills but actually let's come away from that personality characteristics what personality characteristics can you help players grow and curiosity is such an important one your young players won't go out and read uh, read about sports psychology if they're not curious so developing that is, is, is really important and I'm not saying that's easy to do as a coach it's just an option to be done no, I, I don't think it is easy but it obviously when you are
0: when you're given a, a, a groundwork and I like what you said in regards to don't worry about, you know, a rigid, disciplined actual exercises, quote unquote, but in regards to just expanding your knowledge base on on how the brain how the brain functions, how how we we think as people, and, and how negative thoughts get into us. And I'm having negative thoughts right now because I'm not sure what I'm saying exactly. <laughs> that sort of thing. That's I could going subtly on. notice
3: that your speech slow, it, it does. It does start down. slowing yeah, I've yeah. also
0: got this really interesting thing when I am really excited about something that I want to say. I'm really excited about something I want to say. I really I do that. I literally say like the three like the three like like lack that. Uh, I think I just did that intentionally right there and unintentionally right now. <laughs>
3: So consciously can, and subconsciously, subconsciously it's a, I don't know words. But it's so. interesting because when you when you don't know what to say, you, your your front part of the brain kind of slows down. So it's, it's yeah, it's. Uh, so now, you obviously you work
0: in sports performance, and you hmm. started out as a, as a professional athlete yourself. Hmm. Um, I don't know about
3: athlete is the right word, but I was a professional golfer. <laughs> a athlete got, and I'm golfer. It's kind of, there's more. There's your Tiger Woods and your Dustin Johnsons, <laughs> but you know I was. Uh, I was a, I was a fine specimen of a young man. Well, I let's suppose. just
0: say there's some goalkeepers out there listening, and they say, you know what, what what Dan does fascinates me, and I think I, I think that's how I could benefit society. I think I could really help a lot of a lot of other athletes out there uh, when I'm done playing, or even while I'm still playing. So if they want to get into sports performance, and maybe they're you know they're they're right now majoring in psych or anything, like
3: what's what do you suggest? they do to get into that field? Well, firstly, don't take away business from me. Okay. That's rule number one, because there's far smarter people out there who will be sports psychologists and clearly take away business from me. Uh, no, look, I think it's a, look, you know what? I'm going to be 100% honest with you here. It's, uh, it's a, I, I love, I, I haven't worked since I've been 18 years old. It's amazing. You know, when I played golf and then I went on to coaching and then I, I went on to being a sports psychologist. And so I, I love what I do every single day. So it's brilliant. So I thoroughly recommend it. It is tough. It is challenging. Challenging in as, much as, um, in as much as you're always the bottom of the list in terms of clubs or organisations. You know, they never have the budget for it. Or, uh, or you're always the first one to go when they're cutting the budget. So just put, go in with your eyes wide open in terms of it's a wonderful profession, but it is challenging to, to find business. Um, I've had to be somewhat vociferous, good word, eh? vociferous with my marketing efforts, too. Uh, and writing the books and putting myself out there. So it is challenging, but it is rewarding. So look, all I can say is, is do your education, you know, get your college degree, get your master's degree. If you want to be a a psychologist, a licensed practitioner, bear in mind, I'm English and we have different rules over there, but I'm pretty sure it's the same with the States is to be a licensed uh, practitioner as a psychologist. You've got to have supervision, um, in England you don't have to have a phd but you might have to in america i'm not, I'm not 100% sure get your education um, go online just google it get, get put that process in man do, do the how you know do, see your marginal gains and the one thing i would say <coughs> actually is when you're in the process of doing it, get out there. Uh, when you're doing your education, I should say, get out there and do it. Be honest. Don't 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 be naughty. Say you're not a fully qualified, you know, registered psychologist, sports psychologist. But there's countless under 16s teams, under 14s teams, local high schools who couldn't afford the enormous fees that clearly I charge. Joking, I'm very cheap. They, but, but there's, there's a wealth of opportunity as long as you're honest, as long as you're honest and say, look, I'm not fully qualified, but I'm passionate about this. You know, I'm not going to talk about anything clinical because I'm not qualified to do that, but just some simple mental skills that there's not, you cannot replace um uh, um, experience because when you stand for the first time in front of that audience and you're like I really don't know I've prepared it but I really don't know what I'm talking about you know or you do your one-to-one for the first time with a player I really don't know what's going on here my first f- one-to-one session was horrendous you know so um, yeah uh, I-, I really wish
0: stand-up comedians would do that I really wish because i, I- I do stand-up comedy, as you're aware, and and our audience is aware as well, too. And, you know, when you're first starting out, nobody goes on stage or goes first off like, I just want to let you all know before I start, I am not a professional comedian. uh, So just bear with that, and uh, I'm going to continue on with my set. Um, No, what you're saying is absolutely fantastic because, like with stand-up comedy... It's a performance art where you need the training, you need the experience of working with others. Otherwise, you're never gonna be able to get to the level of a Dan Abrahams, for instance, because you know it doesn't just happen
3: overnight. Well, they could probably get way beyond my level, but I think it's interesting you're talking about comedy, and it's a performance process, and what a lot of people don't appreciate. I think when we first emailed, I said, I've worked with, uh, I haven't worked with lots of comedians, but a good friend of mine is a comedian, and we worked on a game face. You know, um, he was just starting out, and it wasn't that he was overly nervous or not particularly confident, he just wanted to be better. He wanted to be a better performer on stage, he wanted to deliver better, and he came up with a game face. Can't remember what it was now, but it was just a couple of action-based words that he wanted to come out there. And if he perceived, and you must have experienced it, if you perceive the audience, your brain is hammering away going, oh my God, they're not getting this to be able to come back to your game face, to stay persistent, that's gotta be a big thing, right? And it just takes, it
0: for me, it, a lot like just goalkeeping, it takes years of experience of being in that situation and trial and error. And, you know, one thing that I suggest to anybody out there who uh, wants to become a better performer, whether it's as a goalkeeper or as a stand-up comedian, is uh, do it in an international setting where... And I'm not joking. I know, I know this sounds kind of funny what I'm saying it, but I, I, I run a comedy show in an international setting with people from all over the world who a lot of times, you know, English is not their first language. Most of the time, English is not their first language. And I have to find ways to communicate with them for them to understand the story that I'm saying. And if you can do that from a stand-up comedy setting or a coaching setting then, or a sports performance setting, then you're really starting to understand human beings and, and, and how people behave and how people uh, communicate with each other. So I, I really, that, that's the advice that's worked for me. And I, honestly, running that little comedy show in the International Hostels benefited me in all walks of my life. I didn't even know how to speak to uh, people until I started doing that, as Omar can attest, right? <laughs>
2: uh, you, can't, you can't pass the mic to me on that. <laughs> Uh, but no, Dan, that was everything you said, and I'm, I'm sure this is probably one of our, our most liked and most watched uh, episode because just bringing people who have the minds like you, who are very passionate about that kind of stuff, is huge, especially for goalkeepers where a lot of us don't really want to admit that we have vulnerabilities or even have you know those those uh, confidence issues, but I know for a fact that a lot, of, a lot of goalkeepers are playing at probably 60% of what they can actually play at, and having a breakthrough, a mental unlock like this is, is key to, to reach that full potential, so thank you.
3: No, no worries, and I have to say that as as I've been practicing my own techniques for the last about half an hour, because as I said to you at the beginning, or before we went on air, that um, I'm suffering from a bit of man flu. So I'm I'm half. I do apologise to the audience. Cause but I'm you had your you had having, you
0: had your BC Neuer face on. You, you,
3: I, I I don't know about BC <laughs> Neuer because I know we've been leaping out of my <laughs> chair. But I was kind, I was trying to have a game face that was stopping me coughing, having a bit of water, and actually looking half decent. <laughs> You know, on camera, so I so, do apologize for I look disheveled. If, if
0: there are any groups, any clubs out there or or, or individuals out there who, who are interested in your services, where's the best place for them to reach out to you?
3: Hey, look, just go on my website, danabrahams.com, uh, or reach out on Twitter, which is, I'll give you my soccer one because I've got about 45 others because I do other sports, but dan Abrahams at danabrahams77, dan, Abrah- uh, dan at danabrahams.com is my um, my email address. So, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Uh, Well, Dan, thanks a lot for being
0: on Inside the 18. You can reach me at LA Goalkeeping Academy or at Michael Magid. You can reach Omar Zini at ProGK Academy underscore on Instagram and in all social media fronts in some ProGK Academy, a format of some sort. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. Uh, That's all the time we got. We've lost our brains. We're out. Later. And we're back. That was incredible, man. I mean, Dan Abraham's just a wealth of knowledge, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he is. Again, guys, like we said, um, I hope you guys took a little bit away from it. I'm sure coaches as well. hope you guys took a little bit away of how you can kind of, you know, if you're not a goalkeeping specific coach and you're just a head coach for your team, you can kind of help out your goalkeeper kind of gain that confidence and uh, instill that within them so they can show up every weekend for you.
0: One thing I really like what Dan does is first off, he keeps it light. He keeps it fun, but the information is so specific and so interesting. In fact, I've actually been using a lot of the advice that he's been giving uh, with my own uh, my own kids, you know, my own clients that I that I work with, and uh, to be honest with you, I actually used it um, with my audition yesterday.
2: Oh, nice! Yeah, the game
0: face. Yeah, I put that the, the game face, the brave, uh, the BC BC Neuer. I came in for that. I came in for that Narcos audition. BC Neuer, brave, confident <laughs> Neuer. And then they're like, "Sir, you're playing a, a CIA agent who speaks Spanish. So it's like Manuel <laughs> Neuer is probably not the best choice for you."
1: Please tell me that. how that went.
0: <laughs> uh, I th- you know, well, I don't want to jinx it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. No, let's <laughs> jinx it. Tell me how it went. It was a lot of fun, man. I, I just. Uh... I'm not
1: asking about fun. I'm asking about are you getting the part or not?
0: We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I can't. I'm not going to divulge it.
1: You have to have <laughs> so- confidence, children, in everything you do. Don't walk around over cocky and super unjustified arrogance. But if you think you nailed the audition, nail it. If you think you nailed the trial, be positive. Put that energy out in the world. Don't put the, I don't know, because I don't want to jinx it. Trev,
0: it went really well. They shook my hand afterwards. I talked to them for like five minutes afterwards. Um, they said, hey, really yeah, you good just, Spanish. You're not getting enough. <laughs> God, more humble, you. Mike. I hate you. Humble. I hate you. <laughs> All right. You know who's not humble, Trevor Styles, and Trevor Styles has a new segment on uh, Inside the 18 that we call Trevor's Championship Prospects. So Trev, I love the championship.
2: Love he loves
0: so the championship, fun. and uh, uh, every once in a while, guys, maybe wait once a month or so, where um, Trevor's going to kind of dull into the uh, championship, and he's going to talk about some of the top prospects. Because let's be honest, nobody else watches the championship here. So uh, I'm totally joking. I, I I catch it every once in a while.
1: Okay. So for those who don't know, championship is division two. It's below the premiership. And for those who think, Oh, whatever, it's not the premiership need to watch it. It is fast, entertaining. It's a little more cutthroat players don't have much time on the ball. It's super attacking minded. It's a little more loose in the play. It's wonderful. And the best part is, is you get to see up and coming keepers or keepers who let's be honest, might've had their day in the sunshine already and um, you know, are, are kind of doing the best they can to the level. So, Right now, my first three are not going to be big up-and-coming keepers. We're going to go names you know that you haven't heard in a while. So my first one is at Norwich, Tim Krul. So Tim Krull for probably most people. The- what is he, 72? Yo, know, he's got to be at least 35, which is still younger than me. But uh, 2014 World Cup, Holland versus – or Netherlands versus Brazil. He uh, replaces Sillison. Costa with Rica, what? Costa Rica. Is it Costa Rica? Yeah, yeah, Costa Rica.
2: So Costa Rica. What, two minutes left in the game? Uh, I think I think in overtime, yeah.
1: Yeah, three minutes left in in, uh, in extra time to come in for the shootout, which could have been a disaster. Uh, but you know, all of a sudden, he stops two or three. They go on. That was their
0: strategy going into it,
1: right? That, that they yeah. But, but I guess, and... but I guess, looking at stuff later on in life, I guess Sillison did had no idea. Oh damn! I guess I guess he was unaware that this was going to be taking place.
0: Jurgen uh, was going to do the same thing for Nick Raimondo in the. Um, Conquer yeah, up as we
1: discussed, Nick Romano might be the best penalty stopper in the world. Like, he's just incredible. straight up, he, he might be the best, yeah. So, so I mean, Tim Krul has played 150-plus games for Newcastle. Uh, you know, he's been loaned out here and there places. But he's a big-time guy, and he's in Norwich right now, which is sitting second. And what you find, too, is these championship clubs that want to move up in the ranks will go by ex-premiership players or buy premiership players who they'll pay more hoping to get promoted, because if you get promoted, you get cashed out like it's a rap video. Um so Tim Krul is my number one. <laughs> number two. So, so Scott Carson is now at Derby. He has four or five caps for England. One of the biggest ones is when they lost for Croatia Wait, back to the championship the
0: day? just the witness protection program because <laughs> like <laughs> Scott Carson <laughs> these after are he, all names I know.
1: <laughs> after he struggled at uh at West Brom, ended up going to Bursa Poor in Turkey, where he basically had to go hide for two years and do very well, came back to Wigan, and now he's the number one at Derby and doing very well. And Derby sit in six, I think, or in the top five. Um, but the guy's got four caps for England. You know, Tim Krul has eight or nine caps for, for the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, a big time goalkeeper. Third, one of my favorite is Darren Randolph. Uh, he's at Middlesbrough now who actually is a top five as well. He was at West Ham before he's an or Irish international with 30 plus games. Um, you know, he's their number one going in. He's bounced around the premiership, big time goalkeeper. Uh, Darren Randolph is my third. These guys are all a bit older too, but my biggest one right now, the, the bonus one I was going to throw in, I really like a goalkeeper called, uh, Lee Peacock Bailey. He was Leeds Number one. He's a young kid. He's 21, 22 Leeds is killing it. Right. Leeds is number one in front of Norwich with that being said. We all know the name Kika Kasia. Kiko Casilla. Kiko Casilla was the number two at Real Madrid. When Kurt Wall came over, he got bumped to number three. Kiko Casilla got loaned out to Leeds two weeks ago. He is now the number one goalkeeper at Leeds. You have a ex-Spanish international. I think he's got one or two caps for Spain. I think he switched over to the Catalonian national team, give or take. Uh, But you have Kiko Casilla now playing in championship. These are four big name keepers who've been at big clubs at either, you know, as Kiko Casilla, Real Madrid, and La Liga, who's played Champions League games, who's played league games for Real Madrid, and three ex-premiership goalkeepers who could find themselves still there, who are all actual either Euro Cup or World Cup veterans as well.
0: Now, now, for some of those kids out there listening who who are not familiar, because uh, they've you know they're a little bit younger, Leeds used to be a big time club uh, in in England. Leeds uh, was a historic club.
1: They had old guys like Mark Viduka. They had Paul Robinson in goal. They had Nigel Martin. They were a big time, big time thing over at Ellen Road. And I have a very soft spot for them. I'd love to see them back up. Yeah, uh, that's my that's my championship of the week keepers. Three big time names, throw Kiko Casilla, which I think is a hilarious thing for a La Liga keeper to go to the championship. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, And next time we do it, we will have three up and coming prospects who we're looking at from the championship and one old person who's clinging
0: on to life. That's uh that's a great wrap up there, Trev. I love that. And you know one one of the things I love about that?
1: Not 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 a person who's clinging on to life, an older veteran keeper who is still making their craft in the championship.
0: There we go. That's a great one. That's Trevor's uh championship roundup, guys. Uh before we move on, Trev, I wanna say uh congratulations to you for being uh unbiased and uh putting Scott Carson in there, uh, even though uh that is uh, making a situation for Cal Ruse, uh, who obviously Ooh, is a- who
1: has played the last two FA Cup games in his Granada yes. Strat- Oro, and he's, well. he's, and he's done well. very well. Uh, he's, he's young; he's 23, 24. You know, like as all keepers know, you're sitting, biting your time. You know, you're an apprentice, uh, and you're just waiting for the opportunity to stick your foot in the door and uh, not give it up. But Scott Carson's done uh, done very well. So you know, I hope Keel's sitting there learning a ton from him, and um, you know, just waiting for his time to uh, to come.
0: Kel Roos, for some of you guys, uh, if you've been uh, listening to classic Inside the 18 episodes, uh, Kel Roos was one of what, yeah, he was. I think he was on our first episode of Inside the 18 where we had no idea what we were doing whatsoever. In fact, I don't even think Trevor could hear him.
1: I couldn't hear him. He, he Skyped in from the UK. I couldn't hear a single word he was saying, and you were having to prompt me what he was saying. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was um, it was so amateur hour. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> you know what else was amateur hour? The U.S. friendly versus Panama this past weekend wasn't that. Every podcast has been talking about this, and we have to talk about this. U.S. soccer, what are you doing? Seventy-two thousand seat stadium, maybe not a good look for a U.S. friendly that held I don't know nine thousand at the game. Did you guys see the stands?
2: Yeah, it was. It was. There empty. was nobody there. It was empty.
0: There was nobody there, and the problem was that one of the issues is is that like I'm not paying thirty two dollars to watch a US January friendly that means nothing in the upper stands. I'm just not going to pay oh, that. Hold on. How many people were there? 9,000. It was pretty bad. It was like you know like you know when you watch those matches where like they banned the fans from coming in UEFA? I'm like is this Belgrade? Is that what's going on right now? Dude, man, that is yeah! Wow! Yeah, it was rough. But uh, you know who did not have a rough time? Uh, Zach Stefan and Sean Johnson. Obviously, uh, it wasn't the the strongest Panama side. It was their, you know, their younger boys. Uh, you know, trying to trying to come up and 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 showcase themselves uh, to make it up uh, to the next level. And you know, obviously it was our domestic side, but uh, really good stuff from Berhalter's uh, first team. And Zach Steffen had a great save in the second half. Uh, one thing I liked about that save that he made is that he, uh, he w- instead of going into a spread there, like we talked about with the kids there, uh, he stayed high, he stayed compact, and uh, he played the ball off his shoulder right there. Um, r- really great save, in my opinion. Omar, breakdown yeah. analysis.
2: No, no, I think uh, one of the things I was going to say is that as he as he made his way across the goal, I think uh, one of the things that I preach and I think a lot of coaches talk about is fast approach, slow arrival. So, you go as fast as you can to get into a good spot before the before the shooter has a chance to shoot it. And then once you get into a good spot, you're in a good angle, favorable angle for yourself. And I think he did a great job of coming, not spreading, not overcommitting. Got to a spot early, then slowed down his body so he can have his technique and mechanics kind of come through. Um, I think he had a great save. I think uh, somebody at that uh, who has that much athleticism would do this would do themselves a disservice if they run into a save and not set their feet. So I think he did a great job of, of doing just that.
0: Yeah, Trev, did you uh, get a chance to check out that hot set save?
2: You know,
1: I, I didn't get to see it, but I, I, I do love the fast fast approach, slow arrival. I love the, I mean, that's one of the things when we tra- I train kids is that, especially in a second save situation, it's that you need to get there as quick as you can, which allows you more time to set yep. and, be, and be in a better balanced position to make a save instead of the running keeper save where you're getting caught off guard. And I think that's such a big point of the get there as quick as you can. It gives you more time to set, relax into the save, get your angle on point. Uh, and, and make a big save. I, you know what, the more, the more he's doing his thing, the more he's getting game experience at this level, the more I really feel that he could be the next in line to, to emulate how Tim Howard was to to emulate a career like that. I, I think he has all the natural abilities. He has the athleticism. He has the drive determination. You can see he's focused. And I think the more time he gets, uh, in that, you know, top end game experience that he really is honing that craft and, you know, becoming that more consistent keeper, which you really need at that level.
2: Uh, sure, you guys, I didn't know if you guys saw this, but I was uh, looking for some content last week, and I was on ESPN FC, and they had an interview with Zach Steffen, I think, after one of the, uh, one of the camps. It was on a Saturday before the Sunday game. And did he
0: reach out to you and say, hey, Omar, what should I say?
2: Uh, no, <laughs> no. So he, they interviewed him, and with the interview, they overlaid some highlights. And in the highlights, you know, uh, it, was just, it was keeper making two saves. So I was like, okay, obviously the guys are going to be putting... Zach Stefan highlights over Zach Zac Stefan commentary. So I go online, I screen screen recorded, I, I put it on my channel, and I said Zach Stefan's looking great in goal. He's gonna have a great game. And then Zach Stefan commented, he goes, "Bro, that's not me. That's Alex Bono."
0: That's hilarious. And,
2: uh. <laughs> and uh, I I DM'd him. I'm like bro you don't don't lie to me is, is that you or you're, you're, you're not kidding it's alex bonnie's like yep yeah, that's not me dude and i'm like oh my god because it it was so quick it was from behind you could see they kind of have like the same shape haircut so it looked well, like yeah, i saw
1: that and then, then i saw your comment of hey uh <laughs> follow up that's actually not Stefan. that's alex bonnie
0: i love the fact trev that right now we're on video and we can see you with that self-journal that's that's my favorite, favorite. i'm looking at something important I can tell. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about the other keeper that came into that game. By the way, that's a we- that was a weird substitution pattern. That instead of give splitting halves with them, uh, Sean Johnson just came in, kind of like a, a random like youth scrimmage where they're like that like doesn't mean anything. That's like yeah, here come in for the next twenty minutes, and he kind of sprints off. I mean, not warmed up in any way whatsoever. You would think they would have gone to to split halves there, uh, but he came in and immediately played one of the sickest side volleys. I've seen at the U.S. men's national team level. I was like, is that Ederson right there? That was absurd. And it was a great, great ball, direct ball. And we've talked about this actually on the podcast is when it makes sense to play direct rather than trying to, trying to play possession with purpose yeah. outside of the back. But he, he saw that target player and he went for it.
2: I think Trev. I think he's been listening to us talk. I mean, I think uh, a lot of these goalkeepers. I don't know if they're listening to Inside the 18, but every time we say something negative about them or something that might be questionable about them, they come out firing. And they.
1: I only you know, speak start. highly of Sean Johnson.
2: No, I know you do. I think it's been me who's kind of been questioning him. I think we say. I mean, he's he has this. Uh, he has this reputation, kind of like Carrius or Mignolet, where it's you know they do. Really good job yeah, for that taking out let's be honest yeah as I'm saying like they do really well for a good amount of time and then all of a sudden you're just saying you know what I'm just waiting for that mistake yeah
1: you know, they got to be listening because you're right though every every time there's a comment that's not negative but just a analytical viewpoint let's call it um, for nice terms uh, they go and <laughs> they, they go and uh, make us look ridiculous
0: yeah so Carlos Cordero if you're listening right now that means that there's gonna be 80,000 people at this weekend's friendly for the U.S. soccer match against Costa Rica, because of what I yeah, said, I don't say. know about that. We'll okay.
2: see. Yeah, no, but I think Sean Johnson. I think um, what you start noticing, even let's say, I want to compare it to the NBA, but you see some guys in the NBA who they're not, they're not shooters like a Rondo or those kind of guys, and then everybody lets them shoot. And nowadays, they're going into the off season just taking a bunch of bunch of shots. Same thing with these goalkeepers is that they're probably just known as like physical specimen shot stoppers and they come back the next season with something new in their game. And I think that's what Sean Johnson's been probably cooking up in the off season is probably showing people like, no, I'm not just a physical specimen. I can actually prolong my career a little bit longer by being better with my feet. So I'm hoping that that is the case and hopefully he just didn't get lucky and hopefully we see more of those uh, those shots being taken down the field.
0: I've never seen him play that kind of ball before. I mean, and I again, I look, I don't watch every NYCFC game, so... Alexis or Christian from Cooligans if you guys are listening right now or Glenn Crooks obviously NYCFC radio uh, if you're if I'm wrong please let me know but I've never seen that play before from him
2: no we'll see we'll see what that's what I'm saying because they just got a guy uh, uh, Luis Barraza. oh my god thank you for Luis Barraza. He's knew, only my Facebook name. friend. I knew his name. I, I just I have a terrible memory. We of no had him on the anybody. and we
0: got an interview coming up with him, by the way, guys. We do,
2: but he has great feet. He we talked about it. He was telling us that he's just been working on his feet since he was a kid. So I mean, you uh, know did great you feet. Who Not about?
1: imagine?
0: <laughs> no, you are very correct about that. My we'll feet on are per- blast. my my feet definitely need work, although they've gotten better over the years. Mainly as I've <laughs> as I've become a worse uh, shot stopper, I've had to become better with my feet. Um. All right, so let's move on and let's talk about MLS preseason starting up here. Very interesting move I didn't see coming. Uh, Matt Reese, who was obviously uh, working as the goalkeeper coach for the U.S. men's national team. Before that, he was with the LA Galaxy for a long time, Uh, has gone back to MLS, and he's now the goalkeeper coach for the Columbus Crew. Moving, he's going to be the Columbus Crew goalkeeper coach. Obviously, he's going to be working with Zach Steffen until he leaves over for City. Um, Is this a lateral move? Uh, is this a, a step backwards? Going, then. How do you feel, Pat Onstat, um I believe he's taking a higher level position, technical director, something like that. So um, interesting. Yes, but uh, but let, let's talk about this. So for an, for a international goalkeeper coach who's been coaching at the at the international level, for them to go back to MLS to become a goalkeeper coach, is this a step back or is this just
2: a lateral move? I don't think it's a step back personally because I feel like they're not training as often with the national team. So I feel like to perfect your craft, to be better at what you do, you got to train every single day. And I think with the MLS, you're training every single day type situation. So I think if I were him, I'd be happy because I get to do what I do, what I love a lot more often and probably do a lot more of actual work with the goalkeepers to see them progress and uh, mature. So I'd I'd say it's more of a step up for me. Trev?
1: Yeah, I mean... Omar's right. It's such a, not erratic, but, you know, non-scheduled U.S. thing where it's here, it's there, especially in the early years where it's not World Cup qualifying, even when it is World Cup qualifying or, you know, CONCACAF, you're still bouncing around from time to time. I think it's nice to be in a situation where you're in a full league scheduled daily routine. Um, Omar's right. It gives you more time to hone your craft. And, and maybe he's using this as a launching pad for something else. Maybe he's looking to do this and then maybe even follow Stefan where he goes. Um,
0: Next city goalkeeper coach, Matt Reese guys, or
1: maybe, or maybe he's going to do the U S as like a a side gig. I don't know, but I I think Omar's right. I think it's good to get back into the mix. Um, Especially after the U S has kind of had that tumultuous last couple of years, that maybe it's a good thing for him to, to be in a daily uh, environment again.
0: I think that's a, that's a really good point. Um, Obviously, the U.S. situation was a little bit rough last year. It was a very transitional uh, position for for everybody there. Um, although I believe that Matt was involved with Bruce Arena's staff the year before during World Cup qualifying, too. So it, it was a, a good amount of time that he spent with that national team. Um, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe this is going to open up uh, a doors. I would love to see, and let's just talk about that real quickly before we move on into, into Europe because I want to talk about Europe, is... Goalkeeper coaches, you know, everybody talks about trying to get American coaches into Europe. Uh, Jesse Marsh, obviously, an assistant over at Leipzig. Um, you know, you had um, what's-his-face David Wagner, uh, who was at Huddersfield and, and is l- no longer there. But uh, we never talk about goalkeeper coaches. We never talk about American goalkeeper coaches going overseas. And especially since they're in, in the past, people have respected American goalkeeping for so many years because of obviously a lot of high-level goalkeepers we've had. Why is that the case that we're not seeing more American goalkeeper coaches try to take their craft over over to Europe or South America or, or somewhere else and, and challenge themselves in that regard?
1: I mean, one's a working visa, Mike.
0: Yeah, well, some of us have those working visas, Trevor Styles. Can you go work in Europe? Yes. How? European passport.
1: Oh, that's right. Why didn't you go over on trial when you're younger? <laughs>
0: I had an opportunity to go over on trial when I was younger. I chose to go to South America. I had an opportunity to go to Romania when I was 18 years old.
1: That sounds nice. Yeah. Well, I don't think a lot of people have those passports. I don't think a lot of people can get those working visas.
2: But I think, too, even in uh, European, like if you, saw, you heard what Bill Hamid said, he's talking about how you know he's getting an English coach or he's been working. In, he was in England for a little bit, and he learned more there than he learned from American coaches. So I think right now... There's a lot more people people who have more respect for European coaches, more respect for English goalkeeping coaches um, from a player perspective. So I think even they can kill it over there. And then if they want to come to the U.S., they can do whatever they want here in the U.S. And I feel like that influx of of coaches coming here is kind of stunning our growth as a goalkeeping community or not goalkeeping community, but American goalkeeper coaches. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, that's my goal is one day to be in London and hopefully with Arsenal or something one day, we'll see. That's, that's hopefully I change that narrative. That's uh, that
1: Mike, that's called
0: confidence, Mike. (laughs) <laughs> That's that brave confident Neuer that Dan Abrahams was talking about. Speaking of uh, of Arsenal, uh, actually, you know what? Let's do this first before we go into that because this game just happened this past weekend and then we'll talk about this week coming up. Um let's talk about that Chelsea Bournemouth game yesterday. Uh, because Arthur Boric, who uh speaking of older goalkeepers, killed it yesterday for Bournemouth, uh, had an exceptional save in the first half that that kept basically it was I think it kind of was the tipping point that kind of took the game because I think Chelsea was like, oh, we didn't score on that one. Oh my gosh. And then Bournemouth was able to go on the assault right there. And nobody saw this, you know, sorry he's having some issues right now, but uh, nobody saw this 4-0 uh, game happening. And uh, I think it would have been a very different game if that if that goal had gone in, in that first half. But Boric, I mean, pulling off a very unorthodox save, wouldn't you say?
2: Yes, I think uh, in terms of, I mean, even even we saw this past weekend, or uh, sorry, even from this past weekend, Zach Steffen against Panama was 1-0. He makes that save, and you have the same thing here. The game could easily flip. So I think um, it game, it turned, went from 1-0 to 4-0 pretty, pretty quick. So I think uh, that save was huge, and it definitely tilted uh, things in the momentum for Bournemouth, and I think that's a a big sign for a lot of goalkeepers that even if your team's up 1-0, stay in it, stay in it, and you never know what, what save will uh, will create for your team, so...
0: And I also want to bring this up for any goalkeeper coaches, young goalkeeper coaches listening right there. I see a lot of you guys, and I'm not going to name names or whatever, criticizing kids for making uh, improper technique saves. And uh, all you're doing is breaking down the confidence of the of the young goalkeeper there because uh, at the end of the day, it's about keeping it out of the net. And yes, this wasn't the prettiest looking save. Uh, he might have been uh, too, too high. Uh, that's why he had to reach back for that shot um but at the stayed end of the day out of the net exactly at the end of the day it stayed out of the net and that's that's what matters right there so praise your kids even if you think it looks sloppy or if it looks shoddy you know especially at the younger ages guys you got to build that confidence with them and then uh and obviously you know Bournemouth was very you know high on for making that save right there he felt that presence from everybody and uh and, and it led to a, a confident second half from uh from Bournemouth it did yeah yeah. So let's talk about this weekend before we wrap up, guys, because I, I know, Omar, you've got to get to Cal State L.A. Trevor, uh, you've got to uh, talk about elephant noises with your daughter. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for
1: a coffee.
0: <laughs> again, great dad. Uh, let's talk about the big matchup coming up this weekend that, uh, let's just be honest, Omar, you're a little bit of a homer on this one. It's uh, yes. City-Liverpool. No, City-Arsenal. Arsenal. Oh, sorry, sorry, City-Arsenal. <laughs> I'm sorry. City-Arsenal, Um and uh, City of Liverpool was obviously the big matchup in December that was for, for the top in the league. This one is to make sure that Arsenal uh, gets a nice, solid Europa spot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, totally kidding, sort of. Anyway, uh, what are we expecting from this game right here? This is Leno versus Ederson. Uh, thoughts?
2: Uh, Trev, you can go first, and then I'll, I'll finish it off. What do you think? I like Bernd Leno.
1: I, uh, I think if he can get a nice, consistent run going on, that he really could be the, the keeper of the future there uh, and, and find, you know, some roots and, and ground down and, you know, have a place to call a career. With that being said, I think uh, Ederson is that keeper who really could at some point be a top three in the world. I don't think he is now. Um, but I think as he hones his craft, and I think Man City is a great place to do it, with the distribution he has with his, you know, let's call it the new, improved, uh, Valdez, original sweeper-keeper. Um, let's be honest, Valdez was that before Manuel Neuer. Valdez was just an incredible sweeper who happened to go in goal uh, for his, most of his career. Uh, I, I think Ederson can really be... It's, it's wonderful seeing two keepers, and you get to see it all the time, battle against each other, especially when I think they're different keepers. I think they have different strengths. Um, I think they, they analyze and play the game differently, so it's really cool to see when they play in a big game um, you know, what their style is like. And uh, and how that style fits into the league, right? Because different leagues we discuss have have different attributes that different keepers are going to do better at. You know, I think novice is brilliant in La Liga. You send him to the UK. I, to be honest, i mean, Omar. I hate to say this. I think he'll struggle for the first little bit. I agree. Just because I I don't think it's his league. I think if we discuss all the time. You know, why Casillas never came over is because I think he would struggle.
0: Yeah. You know, look. One thing. Uh, I thought Berlino. I thought he was great at Leverkusen. Um, I thought the move for Arsenal was going to be solid. Uh, I expected him to usurp Czech uh, very quickly. Um, obviously it's not, sorry, sorry, Omar. It's not a top three team in the EPL right now. Um, but it's Unai Emery's first year there. I think he could develop something there. Uh, I think that Arsenal supporters need to have patience because I feel some of them have, have gotten a little hard on, on Leno, but they were just hard on check and now Leno's the starter and everyone's, you know, wh- what do you want guys? What do you want? It's going to, it's going to take time.
1: It's, no one knows what they want. They just think keepers should be awesome all the time. And when you make a mistake, oh my God. Your striker misses the net three times, it hits him in the face on the cross and goes in. They're a hero. You let one goal in, that's kind of like, well, the defenders should have done more. Maybe he could have got a better hand, but uh, you're the scapegoat and uh, the club hates you. It's a, it's a tough one. Do you know who is a top three team, though, in the premiership right now? Who?
0: Tottenham Hotspur. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Trev, before we go into that, there's been quite a little, little bit of a struggle going on with Spurs lately, okay? There's a lot of injuries going on. It's going to be very difficult for them to keep that top-four form. And Gorris is going to have to come up big in this uh, this last uh, third of the season uh, in order for them to get a Champions League spot. Mike,
1: all we have is today. Tomorrow is just a possibility, okay? So right now, they're sitting top-three. A meteor could come hit us and destroy half the planet, but you know Tottenham would still be a top three in the last year of Premiership.
2: You, got, I'll get back. I'll get back to the uh, Arsenal City. But I have a quick question. I have a quick question for Trevor. Uh, Trevor, I've been watching that guy Gazaniga play, and he is good. I don't know. Oh, do you get
1: back to me? I'm a little disgruntled about that. So for those uh, who don't know, when Paulo Gazaniga was at u U23 at Southampton, he wore Aviadas. Uh, then he went to Spain, where we didn't have stuff going on at the moment there, um, where we actually had a lot of stuff going on prior, but we didn't have time, so we couldn't kind of keep it going. And now that he's at Tottenham, which is some of you who may know Club of uh, My Love, um, I've been trying to get in touch with them to get him back in Aviata, which probably would cost a lot of money. I know Honey Bun, um, but uh, he hasn't got back to me. But yeah, he's he's good. He's always been good. He is Argentina's future number one. He has to be.
2: He's twenty. He's only twenty seven now. And if you guys haven't seen him play yet, he has like the same audacity with distribution as Ederson does. So I think every time he gets the ball, he's looking for that home run hit. And I mean, as a fan, I love it. And as a goalkeeping, as a goalkeeper. Who likes doing those side volleys, who's who's big on distribution. I just it, it adds a different dimension for Likes us.
0: doing side volleys, Omar. You have seventy five tutorials on side volleys. I've never seen any goalkeeper coach who does more videos on side volleys.
2: It's than the trend, you. it's the trend right now. So a lot of people are asking for it. So I, I you know, I show them how to do it and, and it takes a lot of practice. People but. what they want, Mike. Yes.
0: And and by the way, kids, kids out there who are listening, uh, watch his videos on side volleys because a lot of you guys, what your goalkeeper coaches are teaching you as a side volley is just a side punt. It's not a side volley. It, there's a very big difference with that. A side volley is a direct distribution to a player, a point of attack. Should be on a rope, no
1: higher than 12 yards.
0: Exactly, to the feet. Otherwise, if you're lobbing a ball, you might as well just have a straight-on punt because you're doing the exact same thing, leaving air underneath the ball, which is allowing time for the other team to organize and get underneath the ball. Just kick it in your
1: own net. Just, just, Just save your team the time and just kick it in your own net.
0: Um... So good stuff, guys. Well, uh, I believe that's all the time we got for inside the 18. One today. thing. I got, I got. Oh, hold on, Omar. For the first time, wants to keep the show going as quick. opposed quick. Okay. No, no, on.
2: I just I didn't say anything about the city game versus oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you guys said about Burnt Leno. I think he's he is the future, and I think we need to give him some time. Um, unfortunately, nowadays it's like the microwave. I keep hearing microwave generation. <laughs> everybody wants things so fast and I think uh, we need to give him some time and, and get, let him progress and, and let him kind of you know like a hot put, pocket put, like putting a hot pocket in the microwave oh uh, we could say that
1: <laughs> I haven't had a hot pocket in like 15 years but uh, instant gratification you can't you got a new keeper a new yeah. club it takes time look, look at De Gea. perfect example DeHay yeah. De Gea came over he struggled for the first two years Jason Steele turned him into a Interstate. keeper that would work it sorry Yes. yeah <laughs> Jason, 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 J- Jason steals his kid. Um, oh, okay, who plays League One? Oh wow, right? okay. I don't know that. Okay. Um, <laughs> unless I'm just making that up, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he turned him into a keeper that would work in the Premiership, and it took yeah. two years, yeah. right? And De Gea now is who he is, right? But the first two years of people who think he's just always been magic, he really struggled coming from Spain. So I mean, give give people time. It, it takes a while. The Premiership is a different league, a whole different ball game to play in. So keepers need, to be honest, a season or two to get adapted, and then they sit in nicely.
0: Um, okay. Before we go, guys, uh, I do want to bring up one thing. Uh, I know a lot of inside the 18 listeners, um, are fans of a lot of other podcasts out there. And, uh, I just recently found out actually this morning, uh, that our good friend, Daryl Grove, uh, from total soccer show, who's going to be on the podcast in next couple of weeks as well. Uh, was just diagnosed with a medical condition. I don't want to get too much into it right now. I just want to send our thoughts and prayers out to him. Um, if you know, Daryl, uh, if you listen to TSS, reach out to him guys. I know he appreciates the support. It's, um, at Daryl Grove, uh, on Twitter. Um, I know, I know he'll appreciate it, you know, at total soccer show, uh, Darryl at total soccer show, but, uh, it's obviously a, a little bit of a tough situation, uh, for him right now. And, uh, honestly, one of the nicest guys I've met in this entire crazy business. I had the fortune of, of being on tour with him for about a month this summer. And, uh, and honestly, you know, um, Life's unfortunately not fair sometimes, uh, but we just wish him a speedy recovery. And, uh, and uh, you know, Goalkeepers Union, but there's also the podcast union. Uh, we're all in this together, guys. Um, so I hate to leave things on a damper, but, uh, you know, um, reach out to him if you, if you know him or, or if you love what, what they do uh, with, with Daryl and Taylor. Um, anyway, that's all the time we got on Inside the 18. Goalkeeper inside the eighteen at gmail.com. dot com, three two three four three hundred four one one seven is the hotline at Pro GK Academy underscore at LA Goalkeeping Academy is right now the af- hundred big Mike that would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, I was taken. Uh, Trevor's at Aviata Sports because he doesn't want people to reach out to his real thing. TS at Aviata Sports. Well, see, see, and now you have to change that because if you'll just get all these uh, people reaching out to you there. Um, and, guys, at LA Goalkeeping Academy right now is the official Twitter and Instagram of uh, Inside the 18 right now. The reason is I printed out a bunch of press kits with that as the handle. Uh, until those run out, uh, we're going to keep it as that handle. Uh, but but uh, but don't worry, guys. Uh, Omar's going to start taking that over because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18. Uh, Ollie Richardson next week. Later, guys.